I want to get into the word tonight. And we're going to be looking at 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 12 is where I'm going to take my text. Believing God's going to minister to us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This is Wednesday. Is everybody having a good week so far? It seems like it's been a long week for me already. Already. I do a lot of reading and then my eyes get tired. And today I had Shelly put some drops in. I was like, I got to do something about these eyes. They just After a while getting blurry and everything else. So I'm like, Anyway, it's been a long week of reading for me, but anyway, it's been a good week learning from the Word of God. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 12. I know I just had you to see you can stay there, but let's reverence the Word of God. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called to have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Just going to read the one verse for now, and I want to pray. The title of my sermon tonight is Fight the Good Fight of Faith. You pray for me, and I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, tonight that you are still God. Your word is still true. It is still holy. And I thank you, Lord, that the seed of the word is going to go deep inside of us tonight and minister to each and every one of us. I ask you, Lord, tonight to open our eyes and ears to see and to hear what you'd have us to see and hear. I ask you, Lord, for this seed to go down deep and bring forth fruit from it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, I ask you, Lord, to anoint me with the power of the Holy Ghost, Lord, to minister your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated once again. I remember hearing the phrase over and over, anything worth having is worth fighting for. Have you ever heard that phrase? I used to like to fight just for the fun of it. And then if it was worth something, then it was really worth fighting for. You really wanted to fight for it, right? In football, we see them fighting for the extra yard. You know, they're just struggling and struggling. And all of a sudden, you know, they'll keep pushing. They're fighting for that extra yard. It's worth it to them. And so they're fighting for it. And we see here in Paul's writings in 1 Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And I want to examine that just a little bit tonight and understand we are in a battle. We are in a battle. And uh, sometimes as a church, we get uh, seemingly protected. We come to church. We're in a beautiful sanctuary, air conditioning, heated, padded pews, carpets on the floor. I mean, it's just, it's, we're on easy street when it comes to church in America nowadays. You can go anywhere you want, and it's beautiful facilities. And, and sometimes we, we misunderstand what's really going on. We're in a battle. And sometimes I think the, the devil's just sitting there rocking the chair, and we're not realizing we're in that battle. We're in a war. We are. We're in a war. And, and we need to open our eyes and to see that. The older I get, the more I believe in that saying, anything worth fighting for or anything worth having is worth fighting for. I believe it more and more. I believe it more and more. When it comes to our salvation, our original faith, I, I definitely believe it. And Paul is calling for us to fight the good fight of faith. Jimmy Swagger said this about this scripture. In essence, it's the only fight we're called upon to, to engage in. Every attack by Satan against the believer, no matter what form it may be, is to destroy or seriously weaken our faith. What's our faith in? It's in the cross. It's in Jesus. And that's what Satan wants to weaken us in, right? So we have to fight the good fight of faith. Sometimes when you get to fighting something and it's hard and you get into a battle after a while, you forget. And sometimes we start to wonder, is this worth fighting for? 
It is worth fighting for. We need to remember that Satan one that does. It ain't worth fighting. It's too hard. Too hard to live a Christian life. It's too hard to try to lead others to Christ. Nobody wants to be a Christian in America today. They all want to go to hell. That's the way we get feeling sometimes. It is. We need to fight the good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Satan wants to push our faith from the cross to everything else, to anything else. He doesn't care what we get our focus on, just as long as it's not on Jesus anymore. If Jesus is our focus, he's in trouble. He knows that. So he tries to push our faith from the cross to other things. Here we see Paul as he's coming to the end of his life. He's telling this young minister, Timothy, to fight the good fight of faith. And guess what? This message is still true today. It's still good for us today. You and I must fight this fight of faith. Why? Thanks for asking. Because Christians are in a war. I said it already. We're in a war. We may have little skirmishes. We may have little battles here and there. But you're involved in a war. Have you ever been involved with a situation you didn't know you were involved with? Many times. I think everybody has. Sometimes somebody gets mad at you. You're like, why are they mad at me? I don't even know what I did. You're involved in something you didn't even know you was involved in. I remember before I met uh, my wife, I was, uh, had a man that was mad at me. I didn't know why he was mad at me. I found out later. It's because I was talking to his fiance. Well, that's a good reason to be mad at me. She didn't say she was engaged, so I didn't know. So I was, just, I was chatting her up. I was, I was involved in a situation. I didn't know. I was fixing to get beat, beat up and didn't even know it. Lord help us. Sadly, too many Christians don't realize they're in a battle, let alone a war. We need to realize that Satan has unleashed an all-out attack against us, and he's not backing down. He's not quitting. He's not going to slow down. He's going to continue on. He knows his time's short, and so he's going to keep battling us. That's why it's so important for us to fight the good fight of faith. Tonight, I want to stir up the troops, so to speak. I want to equip us to be overcomers that are victorious. Because guess what? The devil doesn't have the power. He likes to roar like a lion. He's not a lion. When we find out and really get to see the devil, we're going to think, we were scared of him. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen? Paul says to fight. We need to realize that we're all in spiritual warfare. The enemy has not stopped trying to come against God or his children, and we are undoubtedly at war. No question about it. Zechariah 3.1, God's Word translation says this, Then he showed me Joshua, the chief priest, standing in front of the messenger of the Lord. Satan, the accuser, was standing at Joshua's right side to accuse him. We know already that's all Satan wants to do is accuse us. He's our enemy. He's going to do that. The devil has been accusing and attacking and trying to destroy God's people for a long, long time. We need to understand his tactics, understand what he's doing. We're in a war and a battle for our souls. And guess what? It's not for just your own soul. It's for your family's soul. It's for your sons, for your daughters, for your family members, for, for your church, for your community. We're in a battle for souls today. Some people say they don't want to talk about this. It's too frightening for them think we're in a battle. We're, we're up against something. You better open your eyes. You're in a battle. You're in a war right now. Hmm. We're in a war. Let me tell you what, what kind of war we're in right now. We're in a culture war. There are two cultures that are colliding right now. God's culture and the culture of this world. The battle is raging between the two of them. 
right now. It doesn't matter what, anywhere you want to look. If you want to look on television, listen on radio, talk to any, any kid on the street, you're going to realize you're in a battle. They don't understand things. Their eyes are blinded by what Satan is telling them. And they're in a war for their life, and they don't even realize it. And let me tell you something. You, can, you can't be neutral in this war. Well, I just want to stay out of it. I don't want to really get involved with it. You know, God's going to win this thing anyway, so I think I'll just sit on my padded pew and be all right. No. No. There's no neutral to this war. History tells us that countries have tried to stay neutral in wars, but this is a war you cannot stay neutral. In Revelation 3.15, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, in context, you may think, why are you, why are you preaching that scripture? I believe this is, this is exactly right right here. We're not cold or hot for God. He's going to vomit us out of his mouth. This is, the, this is the thing. We're not taking a stand for the good or the evil. We're just kind of wanting to skim through life. Just play Joe Cool through this thing. It's going to be all right. I don't want to offend anybody. Right? That's all, you know, we're, we're in a cancel culture. We're in a, a culture that right now that if you say the wrong thing, they want to cancel you. Heard of a sportscaster last week that complimented a, a woman, and because he complimented her, well, he's wrong, and then we're going to cancel that man. Like, They've gone crazy. It's the influence of Satan. We need to understand that. Joshua 24 and 15, everybody knows it. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm in a battle, I'm in a war, and guess what? I know which side I'm on. I'm not going to just say I'm sitting on the fence. I'm not going to try to offend somebody. I'm going to stand for truth. I'm going to stand for God. I'm going to stand for what he stands for, amen? Amen. I've made my decision. I'm on God's side, and guess what? He's on mine. He's on my side. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. You can't play both sides of the fences. How many know people like that? They want to just be the mediator all the time. That's me. I like to, I, I don't just like to, I just don't want people to be mad at each other. Well, it'll be okay, they, they didn't mean it. Don't, don't hit your brother like that anymore. It, I know you're bleeding, but it'll be okay. Don't do that. I like to play mediator. Not necessarily like, I just, I hate to see conflict. But you know, there's a time where you gotta stand up and say, wrong is wrong, right is right, and I'm standing for the right, amen? You can't play both sides of the fences. If you try that, you'll be destroyed. You'll be utterly destroyed. It's time for all born-again believers to put on a uniform. Get your uniform, your army uniform on. You're in an army of God, and get into the battle and fight the fight to win. Amen. In our culture today, there's a war over sexuality. Oh, pastor, don't talk about that in church. You know why there's a problem in sexuality outside the church? It's because we don't teach it inside the church. We don't tell people what the Bible says. You know, I can say, well, this is right and this is wrong. I can just tell you, the Bible's right and everything else is wrong. And that's what I'm going to call it out tonight. So I want you to understand. And guess what? I don't hate the sinners that are in sin. I hate the sin that they're in. Amen? Our culture today is in a war over sexuality. The world says that sex outside of marriage, that's okay. Sex before marriage, that's okay. Extramarital. That's okay. It doesn't matter. It's all okay. 
It's all okay. That's what you hear. That's what you see. That's what they promote on television. It's got so bad now, it's just safe sex. They want to just help our kids out and, and push them off into just as long as it's safe. It's all right. Under the influence of our enemy, the world is trying to mold the church message into its image. They're trying to conform the church into the world's image. They want us to conform and say, this book is not true. And what it says is not true. Yeah, God said, it didn't Satan do the same thing to Eve? Did God really say not to eat off that tree? We see it today. He hasn't stopped the same tactics. He's still using the same tactics. He's still questioning it through the world. And under the influence, our enemy, the world, the world is trying to mold the church's message into its image. But the war's on because God's word says this, Ephesians 5 and 3. But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, lest, let, it not be, uh, let it not be even named among you as it is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, or, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, Drew didn't make up them words. Drew stumbled over them words, but I didn't make them words up. That's in the Bible. That's what the Word of God says. So we have to understand, this is what we're going to be judged by. So does that sound contrary to what we're being taught in the world? Absolutely. We can't fight this war and win and be involved with immoral activities. The illegitimate child rate has skyrocketed. The abortion rate, we all know, has skyrocketed. Marriages ending in divorce, skyrocketed. Over and over and over. Besides, this is not to mention the guilt and the shame that comes along with these things. It's all there. And Satan's sitting back and just laughing at people. Why? Because they're not doing it God's way. They're doing it his way. And he knows the end of that's going to be death. Homosexuality has been pushed so much that our children think it's normal. Had a show on TV not long ago. I don't know if it's still in the air, but it said the new normal. And they had homosexual couples on it. It's not normal. It's not right. God never intended it that way. If that would have been the case back in Genesis, he would have said God made man, and then he made another man. He didn't. He made woman. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, do you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extorters will inherit the kingdom of God. Well, that's pretty plain. That says they won't inherit the kingdom of God. How many know there's only two places to go? You're going to heaven or you're going to hell. It's that simple. You're not going to inherit heaven if you're doing any of these things. Uh, in God's word, Galatians 5:19 says this. Now the effects of the corrupt nature are obvious. Illicit sex, perversion, promiscuity, idolatry, drug use, Hatred, rivalry, jealousy, angry outbursts, selfish ambition, conflict, factions, envy, drunkenness, wild partying, and similar things. I've told you in the past, and I'm telling you again, that people who do these kinds of things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's pretty plain. It's pretty straight. Pastor, you're preaching hard tonight. I'm telling the truth tonight. This is where God led me tonight. I'm telling you the truth of God's word. If you're watching on Facebook, don't be offended at me. Be offended at God. 
God, God wrote this book. Under his influence, men wrote this book. And God put these things here. Don't be mad at me. Be mad at God. I'm not mad at sinners. I love them. But I want them to know the truth. These things will send you to hell. Revelation 21 and 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Once again, he's given thing after thing after thing, letting us know these things are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. How many knows you're going to live forever? I heard one preacher say, it's your choice, smoking or non-smoking. It's either heaven or hell, one or the other. Everyone thinks it's okay to sin because the world says everyone else is doing it. It must be all right. Just because the world says everyone else is doing it doesn't mean that it's not deadly in God's eyes. These are death to us. In the concession stand at the ballpark, we'd hang up these fly strips in the corners. So nobody could see them. It's a concession stand. You don't want to see that in a concession stand. But with the windows, you inevitably had flies that would come in. So we put these fly traps in the corner. Let me tell you what it is. Fly paper is a fly-killing device made of paper coated with a sweetly fragrant but extremely sticky poisonous substance that traps flies and other flies, flying insects when they land upon it. Everybody's doing it. All the other flies are doing it. Let's go do that. It's deadly. It's poisonous. You need to understand what's happening. They're being trapped in something they can't get out of by themselves. Don't fall for the trap. The Bible says there's a cost to sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. He didn't leave you alone. He didn't leave you in your sins. He provided a way out. Jesus, and through the blood, through the cross, provided a way that we don't have to experience that second death. Hallelujah. We don't have to experience that wages of sin. We, we, he paid it all. I heard the song today in prayer meeting. Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah. The payment for your sin is death, and Jesus already paid for it. Hallelujah. Just because others are doing it doesn't mean that there's not going to be payment made for sin. The world says seek after pleasure and seek to satisfy yourself. That's a frontal attack on the teaching of God's word right there. We're at war with that. The Bible teaches that we're not to seek pleasure, but to seek the kingdom first. Right? Matthew 6, 23. But seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. If we put, you know, I say this all the time, by order. If we put God first, all these things is going to be added to us. We need to understand. Put God first. Seek God first. Not to seek our own pleasure. Not to seek how much we can accumulate. How nice a car or how big a house. Uh, Cardin asked me today, he said, Dad, wouldn't you like to have a mansion? I said, well, we're going to have one in heaven. And he said, no, it, like if somebody just give you a mansion that just give it to you and you didn't have to pay a dime on it. I said, well, first of all, and then I went into the dad mode, explained you'll never own anything. They're going to tax the house. They're going to tax the car. They're going to tax the land. They're trying to, trying to let him know, <laughs> let him down gently. Sorry, son. It's just not going to happen like you think it will. I don't even know where I was going with that now. 
Anyway, we need to be seeking the kingdom first and not the pleasures of this world, not the fancy houses, not the different things. Like, are them, are them things bad? Absolutely not. But that's not what we should be seeking first. The world wants us to be committed to everything but church, everything but God. But their ideology is at war with what God says. God says our allegiance is to him and to no other. We should have no other gods but him. Be committed to the cause of Christ. Be committed to his lifestyle. Be committed to, the following, to following Jesus wherever he leads us. And guess what? When we follow Jesus, he's going to lead us from victory to victory. When we obey God, he'll, he will be with us. In this battle, we had better be on the Lord's side. When we fight the good fight of faith, we better be on the Lord's side in doing this. Fight the good fight of faith. That means in this fight, we cannot fight with natural weapons. But we must fight with weapons of faith. Spiritual weapons. Amen? 2 Corinthians 10 and 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we, don't, we do not war according to the flesh. Just because somebody's sinning as a Christian, should we go out there and beat them up? Say, you're sinning. This is a fleshly war, so I'm going to take you out. Absolutely not. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. It is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle. And one of the things I, I say, and it just comes to me so many times, people are blinded by their sin. They're blinded by what they're doing. They don't understand does that make them a horrible person? No. That makes them a sinner. Makes them a sinner. Makes them human. There's one weapon I want to talk about tonight that will help us in the fight. I'm not going to be, be going very long, but this, this is one of the things I believe will help us. We must fight this fight in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in everything we do. We need the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to walk into Walmart. I needed the power and the Holy Spirit just to walk into IHOP last night. Walk in there at 9.30. They said, I'm sorry, we don't take any more customers. Nobody in the place. And I was like, Why, what time do you close? 10 o'clock. So what are you going to do for 30 minutes? I, mean, just, I needed the power of the Holy Ghost just to shut my mouth and walk back out. God help me. God help me. I got back in the car and Shelly said, was well, their owner still paying them for this next 30 minutes? I said, I wish I would have thought of that. I'd have asked them the same question. <laughs> wow. We got to fight the good fight of faith. We have to use the Holy Spirit. We have to let the Holy Spirit use us. We need to walk in the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, people were anointed as a symbol that they were equipped for service and is associated with the outpouring of the presence of God. The anointing is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. In our warfare, we must rely upon the power of the anointing. You wonder why we pray, God, anoint this one, anoint that one. We want to walk under the anointing. We want to speak under the anointing. We want to sing under the anointing. Why? It's the power of God. Amen. From the anointing, we have superior knowledge that our enemy doesn't have. Listen to this, 1 John 2 and 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Well, that's pretty simple. That's pretty straightforward. We can understand the Word of God. I still understand English sometimes. I can know what weapon to use against my enemy because the knowledge from the Holy Spirit. He will lead us. He will guide us. He will direct us. 
I can know the best way to fight the devil from the Holy Spirit. I can, know, I can also know that he is already a defeated enemy because of the anointing. Because of the anointing, he's already defeated. The anointing or the presence of God will destroy the work of bondage in our lives. The devil's trying to tie up the warriors of God. But listen to what Isaiah said. Isaiah 10, 27. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Hallelujah. If the anointing will break the yoke of bondage, then stay in the presence of the Lord. Stay under the anointing. Stay in the flow of the Holy Spirit. Stay in the flow of the Holy Spirit. This is one of the most important things I can tell you tonight, and that is to stay under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Amen? People may wonder why we always talk about the presence of the Holy Ghost. There's a reason why we talk about it. The presence of God breaks the chains that the enemy tries to tie us up with. I can't do it on my own, Brother Angel. It's just not going to happen. I'm not Superman. I'm just a human being, and I need the Holy Spirit working inside of me to break them chains, to loose me, to guide me, give me knowledge. We need the Holy Spirit to be flowing through us every day, the whole day long. The presence of God breaks the chains. Breaks the chains. Man, we might need to sing that song. We have to create an atmosphere for which God can move in our lives. Well, how do we do that? Let's put aside some things. Today, Carden got in the car with me, and of course, he has his phone, just got a phone, and so he wants to be on that phone all the time, and we're riding in town. He goes, hey, Dad, did you know something? He starts giving me knowledge of something that he's found on his phone, and I said, let's put the phone down. He goes, why? And I said, we're just going to talk. Just put it down. You know, that's what we need to do. We need to talk to the Lord. Put aside everything else. Shut the TV off. Put the kids in another room. Do what you, we'll do whatever we got to do to get alone with God and have a conversation with Him. Keep the relationship open. Position ourselves that we can feel the Holy Spirit working through us. We have to create an atmosphere for God to move in our lives. We need to walk in this atmosphere every day. We need to walk in the presence of the Lord. We need to walk in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Let me ask this. What would happen if every Christian, every Christian, every service time, had been spending time with the Holy Spirit all day long, and they walked into a corporate worship like this, and after spending all day with the Holy Spirit, begin to pour out our praises once again. What would happen in a service like that? What would happen in the service? So many times we come into these services like this, and we have the day on top of us. It's, it's on our shoulders. What we have to do tomorrow, the kids, what we got to do with them, and we got this problem and that problem. So we spend half our time in worship on Sunday mornings trying to get all the baggage off of us so we can actually worship in spirit and truth. God help us. Pastor, that's me. No, I, I, that's me too. I'm, I'm not blaming you. I'm not saying it's someone else. It's me too. What have I got to do next? What do I got to do next? Where am I going here? What, what meeting do I have next? We got to lay these things aside and create an atmosphere for God to move in our lives. When we're involved with the flow of the Holy Spirit, we get so much more from services. If we'd come in like that, the services would be spectacular. Things would happen, and it wouldn't take long. It wouldn't take long for it to happen. If everyone in our church would get into the flow of the Holy Spirit, think about what would happen. In the book of Acts, Bible scholars said it was between seven and ten days. You know, they were tarrying there for the power of the Holy Ghost. What would happen? If we had already tarried at home. Wow. 
book of Acts, they position themselves for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. They position themselves and create an atmosphere for the Holy Ghost to dwell in. Sometimes we don't have time to wait that long. The other day with that deer, we didn't have time for a big, long prayer. I'm glad I wasn't Catholic because I didn't have time to run my hands across me. All I could say was Jesus. Jesus. He come to our rescue. We need the Holy Spirit right now. We need to flow in the Holy Spirit. We got to fight the good fight of faith. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us to do that. We need to stay full of the Holy Spirit. And how do we do that? How do we stay full of the Holy Spirit? And this is for any Christian that I don't care if you're a new beginner and you just got saved last night or you've been saved for 100 years. You have to continue to empty yourself out. You have to continue to empty yourself out. Why do you have to do that? It's because day by day, we start adding more, start adding more. If we're not careful, after a while, we've got so much of Drew in here, it's pushing the Holy Ghost to the background. Pushing the Holy Ghost out would be a better term for it. Someone asked one time, how do you get all the air out of a glass, just a regular cup? After many answers, they were all different, were given. Finally, the right answer was answered. It said, fill it up with water. It'll take all the air out of the cup. If we fill our vessels full of the Holy Spirit, there won't be room for anything else. There won't be any room for any gossip. There won't be any room for any backbiting. There won't be any room for hatred or negative talking or, or, or condensation toward condensation. That ain't right. Condemnation towards other people. We don't need any condensation either, though. Have the Holy Spirit fill us up. Of course, my name is Drew, and I get down to pray sometimes, and I pray prayers, and I was like, that is so corny. And I prayed one time, and I said, God, less of Drew and more of you. I'm like, here I am rhyming in my prayers by myself. But that's the way we need to get. God, less of me and more of you. Less of me and more of you. The way to get rid of something in our lives is to fill our lives with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is an awesome weapon to fight the good fight of faith. Shelly, would you come back? I want to encourage you tonight to fill yourself with the power and the presence, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And guess what? When we're full of that, we'll be rid of the other things that we don't need. We'll be rid of the things that uh, maybe that's my old ways. I hear people all the time say, well, you know, that's just my nature. Well, you're a Christian. You should be a new creature in Christ, right? Let him fill you up and your old ways will come out of you. The old ways will be, be long gone behind you. Would you stand with me tonight? I want to pray before you find a place at the altar. I want you to just ask God, God, fill me up. I want to fight this good fight of faith. With what we're facing in the world today, God, we need to fill ourselves up with the Holy Spirit that we can fight this good fight of faith. Amen. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I ask you, Lord, right now that your word comes alive inside of us. Lord, and you minister to our hearts and lives today. Father, if there's any area that we need to be checked in, Lord, check us tonight. God, talk to us. Let us know, Lord, how we can walk in the paths of the righteous. Lord, we want to be holy, Father, because you are holy. And I ask you, Lord, to speak to each and every heart tonight, Lord, that we can fight the good fight of faith. Lord, when we're being battled, we're in the middle of a war and things are going on around about us. God, that we can stay focused on you and understand that you will fill us up if we'll empty ourselves out. 
I thank you. Would you, would you come tonight, find you a place to pray?